The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything that you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads, ensure that you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. I've been so pumped to take a couple of friends with our road bikes to some of the trails nearby, and now I can bring the entire crew, my dog, and all of our gear with that third row. Learn more about the new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. On this episode of This League, we try to regroup in the wake of, I would say, the busiest day in the NBA in a long time. Non-off season, yeah. Non-off season. We talk about one of the greatest choke jobs, hell yeah, in history, Philadelphia 76ers. One of the greatest performances in history with Paul George. We cover the latest LeBron James tweet storm and the dysfunction in Dallas. Also, there is some latest Zion Williamson drama brewing in New Orleans, fueled by none other than JJ, I'm so petty, Reddick. My God, the NBA is just popping off. We're not even to the finals yet, and we're already seeing all this news. All right, Marty, let's drop the beat. June 16th, 2021, maybe the craziest day, non-off-season NBA day in a long-ass time. So crazy that we had to drop an emergency episode yesterday, two days ago, because we couldn't get all the news in. Brief recap (laughs) for those who didn't see it. CP3, I don't know, contracted COVID, didn't have COVID, tested positive for COVID. Kawhi, ACL injury, is it a sprain, is it a tear, who knows. Mavericks GM just... Dropped, got fired because he's probably a snitch that uh, <laughs> contributed to an athletic hit piece. Scotty Brooks fired. SVG fired. Chaos in New Orleans. LeBron just went nuclear on Twitter, basically coming after the entire NBA as a whole for caring more about money than they do players' health. Lamella wins Rookie of the Year. Controversy. Paul George goes from pandemic P to Indianapolis P in a way that gives Steve Ballmer a sliver, tiny sliver of hope with what could be PG as the number one option. Holy shit, that's a lot of news and we cover most of it. Uh, <laughs> we did not cover LeBron James and we did not cover the Dallas Mavericks. So let's start with Braun. We're also obviously going to get into these playoffs because that's what's actually going on. Yeah. That's actually what's happening right this second. So, also, Woj had good CP3 news this morning, so that's positive. Woj said, as an update, CP3, worst case scenario, one game. That's what he thinks. That's what yeah. he thinks. That's what Woj knows. Like, Woj isn't going to say it if it's not. And that Clippers game was a huge victory for Suns fans everywhere. Huge. Yeah. They want this going seven. Okay. Let's start with LeBron. ACL injury for Kawhi. We're not sure how. We're not sure what. We're not sure what happened. And it gets released to the world, and LeBron James decided, okay, time to put my Twitter fingers in gear. Now. No one's talking about me. No one's talking about <laughs> me. Let's make this about me. Uh, they didn't, this is what he says, they all didn't want to listen to me <laughs> about the start of the season. 
LeBron James is like me in the sense of like every time he says something that comes true, he's like, I'm just going to tell the world I said this before. <laughs> <laughs> LeBron James is all of us. He said this. They didn't. They all didn't want to listen to me about the start of the season. I knew exactly what would happen. I only wanted to protect the well-being of the players, which ultimately is the product and the benefit of our game. These injuries aren't just a part of the game. It's the lack of pure rim rest. Pause. Rim rest. Pause. Yeah. Before starting back up. Eight, possibly nine all-stars have missed playoff games, most in play, playoff history and most in league history. This is the best time of the year for our league and fans, but missing a ton of our favorite players. It's insane. If there's one person that knows about the body and how it works all year round. <laughs> if there's one person that knows about the body and how it works all year round, it's me. Yeah, not a doctor. Not a do- LeBron James. By the way, me and LeBron are going to open up a clinic because we both obviously feel like we know more about health of players than anyone else. He said, I speak for the health of all of our players and I hate to see this many injuries this time of year. Sorry, fans. Wishing you guys were seeing all your favorite guys right now. I love that. Reading it back, <laughs> tremendous. Here's the thing, though. LeBron James is not wrong. No, he's not. I just, uh, that annoyed me. <laughs> he's not wrong. The league, though, is in a very tricky place. Like, they need to make money. We know that they're down bad. And if they were going to have a real off season, they were going to have to start in February and they weren't going to start in February. They needed those Christmas games. They needed that Christmas revenue. And they also needed to fit the season between Christmas and the Olympics because you can't move the Olympics because the Olympics, if that got moved, which would be a fucking production, that would get pushed into the way of the NFL. And then the NBC, which is the broadcaster the sole broadcaster of the olympics that would conflict with michelle tavoya and (laughs) (laughs) all of the folks that uh broadcast nbc games in the nfl that's not going to happen and the olympics in general does not want to compete with the nfl no chance like you want uh gymnastics and mat sports and rock climbing and three on three to compete with nothing else. Yeah, baseball. <laughs> nothing. <laughs> no, I don't even consider baseball anything. But that's okay. Uh, These are be, this basketball Olympics is probably going to be pretty boring, right? Considering like all the people that are going to sit out. Like uh, I feel like no, I think it's going to be good. Really? I think it's going to be good. Jason Tatum's going to play. Okay. Damian Lillard's going to play. Steph Curry's going to play. All right. There's already some chatter. I'd love to see Hoodie Mellow play. I think there's going to be some interesting guys on the bottom of the rock. Like, I feel like we're going to have sure. like we're going to have like Jared Allen. Who is <laughs> who is on the list? Or Kevin Love? Terrible. <laughs> but if you were to have that normal four four months off, the season would have started right after the Super Bowl, which could have been lit. But then a normal 82 or even a 72 season would go to to October. No dice. That's not going to happen. So my solution would have been okay. Start in February, play 60 games instead of 72, which would have given players an entire normal offseason to get healthy and normal amounts of rest between the games to prevent these injuries to these stars. But, you know, the league probably wanted those two 12 extra games for revenue. Like they needed those games. And of course, they wanted that playing tournament. This is bad. So, yeah, bronze not wrong, but the league is also desperate. For money and is in a difficult spot, I guess, when it comes to logistics of timing of these other things. Mm-hmm. 
Um, as an aside, a bunch of the world finally is now talking about what we were talking about, which is that we're having an injury problem to stars and pretty much stars alone. Um, Mark Stein of the New York Times addressed this yesterday when he wrote, eight All-Stars have missed at least one playoff game, including Embiid. That number will drop, jump to nine if CP3 misses any time, which seems possible. Yep. Uh, it's nice to see everyone catch up with us, Marty. <laughs> it is nice. Elias Sports Bureau even backed us up when they reported that this season's 27 All-Stars combined to miss a higher rate of games than any previous season. 13.7 games per player and 19% overall. Yeah, because some people are acting like this is like a new thing and it's just been in the playoffs. Like guys have been out literally all season. All season. More stars gone on a random Tuesday night. But we now have guys out in the playoffs too, which is where really yeah, the bread and butter is. For yeah. sure. The problem though that we haven't talked about and will start to be talked about is this is going to happen again. This is going to happen again. Why? Because they're going to start in October. They don't care. They're like, Olympics <sighs> ends. Is fucked. Olympics ends in uh, mid-August. Mm-hmm. We'll give you three months, two months. We're starting back up in camp in September. Fuck your off-season. We want our billions of dollars. We're going to cut your off-season in almost half because why? We need the money. We down bad. We down bad. I think it's going to be... I think it's going to be the exact same thing that we saw this year, um, but just more because there's like it's compounded every year without an off season, without time to get healthy. You just just piles up. Yeah. Those miles pile up. New news. Other big news is uh, Donnie Nelson, not to be confused with Don Nelson. His is, father is out <laughs> as the GM of the Dallas Mavericks. It it appears that still the Dallas Mavericks organization is highly dysfunctional. That's 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 fair to say. <laughs> Leading reports say that they've been operating with two GMs for quite a long time. Tell me, Marty, do you think that that works? Like two GMs making decisions. Uh, the together? Suns the Suns tried it with uh, Lon Babby and Lance Blanks, who I'm sure all of our listeners have heard of. They did a really great job. <laughs> they were solid. <laughs> How they do that year. Uh, they held a almost parade for Eric Gordon saying you're our future franchise cornerstone and offered him like $55 million over three years. Yeah. See, that's tough. News popped off that Donnie Nelson was out on Wednesday and the ripple effect full force immediately Mark Spears wrote that this is where it gets scathing. I've heard one guy that's really upset about it is a guy that you don't want upset about it. The one guy is Luka Doncic. <laughs> they were really, really close. Fuck. Also being told in terms of the $200 million extension, how are talks going? People close to him are saying, what talks? There are no talks right now. Luca at one point said, I'm signing an extension. We're going to get this thing done, get my Supermax money. This was like nine days ago. Yeah. Luca was like, ah, oh, yeah, it's done. And now it's like, contract talks? <laughs> uh, what talks? <laughs> Sheesh. Luca and Donnie apparently were very close. He was all, by all accounts, one of the instrumental pieces to finding Luca, believing in Luca, and bringing Luca to the maps. I would say that guy is probably a critical piece to keep around your franchise, unless. He's a snitch. And uh, he also brought over Dirk and him and Luca have remained tight ever since. So apparently there was like a power struggle between Donnie Nelson and Haralabos, 
Vulgaris, mm-hmm. not great at these names, who have often been referred to as who has often been referred to as this like shadow GM. Yeah, just the Twitter guy. The is Twitter what guy, I, what I like to call. You know, Vulgaris. You may have known him from the the person that was named that Luca was screaming at on the sidelines, <laughs> who was like, uh, "Shut your mouth! Stop fucking talking to me like that." Uh, yeah, apparently he hates this Vulgaris guy. Yeah, huge. Accusing him of cu- quitting. Apparently, Vulgaris accused Luca of quitting on the team when cameras caught him leave- leaving a midseason game with 45 seconds left. But, I mean, that's what LeBron does all the time. So, I mean, it's not so bad. <laughs> <laughs> so, to say that there's problems in Dallas, I would say, is, uh, is an understatement. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, this is this is very bad. This is very, very bad. I can't understate how bad it is. It's like... The one guy you want to make happy, a perennial talent, I would say probably the most valuable guy to the NBA, Luka Doncic, in terms of like, he's 20, what, two, three? Not even. I think he's like 21. 21. Yeah. Okay. 21 year old guy, star. Yeah. He's pissed at you, Mark Cuban, because you got rid of his guy and you kept the guy he hates. Yeah. And it's so weird how fast it happened because rewind like 18 months, like no one's talking about dysfunction in Dallas. Well,. Remember, there was some sexual assault allegations going on there. I did forget that. I apologize for forgetting that. On record, I apologize for forgetting about that. So I would say things have been a little scummy since Mark Cuban got there. Personally, I was reading a newsletter the other day, I think today, this morning, and the guy on multiple occasions, Tom Ziller, said that Mark Cuban has no problem just lying on record. (laughs) So Mark Cuban said he didn't know what was going on with all that uh, stuff. Like that makes it months better. Ago, like, and I don't believe him. And if you had to guess, if I was a guessing person, I would say this vulgaris guy knows where the bodies are buried. Good news, though, for uh, Mavs fans. His contract is up this summer, vulgaris. And a story just broke that Cuban is now targeting Masai Ujiri. That would be a pickup. That would be a pickup. Huge. So much that he's about to get uh, investigated by the NBA because he had to re- he had to release a statement that hey I'm I'm not actually targeting him right now I'm just thinking about him, uh, which 100 percent means he's thinking about hiring Masai Ujiri. Apparently, is Dallas is also looking at Michael Finley. Big Mike. Okay. I think that would be a great hire. He's in their organization, right? Yeah. I think so. Yeah. Yes. I think Luca should leave. <laughs> I think Luca is clearly upset about the firing. I think he's clearly upset about KP, who Vulgaris brought there. So the story in The Athletic was essentially someone inside the Mavs organization basically detailed for The Athletic all the shitstorm that was going on there. And the only person that was like left standing was this Donnie Nelson. So Mark Cuban had to let him go. After Mark Cuban went on the record and was like, this entire athletic story is based in zero truth. And then Donnie Nelson gets fired the next day and you're like... I think it was true. Uh, one thing is for sure that if Luca takes this unprecedented step of rejecting the Supermax, it's going to be one of the most shocking stories in a long time. Like, can you imagine? Yeah. I mean, so we're talking about like if he just signs his qualifying offer and then plays out that one more year and then gets to go into free agency. Yeah, that'd be well. That would be chaos. Yep. That would be LeBron James level chaos. Yeah. I am a fan of chaos. What did we witness Wednesday night, Marty? Was that a was that a comeback? Was it an implosion? I mean, Could it, it was both? just so hard to watch. <laughs> like it was, I, I had Sixers. I was a Sixers better, and uh, they let me down. 
I don't know if was it a birth of the superstar and Trey Young or was it the the beginning of a franchise about to be dismantled? Because <laughs> it felt to me like a little bit of both. I'm not sure exactly what we saw. I'm still having a hard time wrapping my mind around it. Yeah. But I know that it was historic. I know, Marty, you always tell me that I'm too dramatic. But this is very, very bad. This is very, very, very bad. It, 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 it's as bad a look as that franchise could possibly have. As, as bad as it could look. We just talked about this exact scenario with Rich Hoffman. Mike. Yeah. No, he we did. said chaos, uh, catastrophe. Those were the two words he used. Chaos and catastrophe. I would say I have the ability to be dramatic without any repercussions from the world. I think it's time to just who knows. Let's look at it, though, from both perspectives. First, let's take the Hawks. If you're a Hawks fan. I mean, this has got to be like one of the most memorable memorable games in franchise history, right? Like Trey Young, there is now zero doubt Trey Young is that guy. Oh yeah, he's he's arrived. He is he has ascended. 30, 39 and seven in the biggest game of his career. Like when you need Trey Young to step up, be nails. He fucking cooked Ben Simmons. Cooked him. You could you literally had the entire Sixers organization say, "Hey, our entire goal." is to stop Trey Young. We have three guys, and an all-NBA guys, Matisse Thibault, Joel Embiid, Ben Simmons. They're all yeah. locked in on Trey, and Trey had 39-7. and seven. That's absurd. Mm-hmm. Could not be stopped. You're talking about a guy 6'1", Trey Young. Generous 6'1". Yeah, no. And he's getting guarded by a guy that's 6'10", and he's still got almost 40 points? I would say that's very impressive. What did Ben say if they let me be physical? Yeah, if they or let so, me be 6'10". I'll be very good if they let me be 6'10". And you know what? Trey Young knew exactly how to do it. He's like, I'm just going to just gonna just stop <laughs> short and get my body into him. He had a lot of guys in foul trouble. He put the Hawks into the bonus by himself. 17 for 19 from the line when the entire league says, oh, Trey Young, all he does is shoot threes. And he had 10, he had 10 for 17 in the mid-range. 17 shots in the midi. His floaters are sick. Unstoppable. I have to apologize. Like, I was never really a Trey Young fan. Like, I thought he was good, of course. But, like, I'm like, ah. I didn't see him leading a team in the playoffs. No. Yeah, no. Could anybody? Like, you wouldn't have been surprised if he, like, faltered. Yeah. He's a young kid. First time in the playoffs. His organization has traditionally been trash, except for the one Budenholzer year. Right. With, like, yeah. Teague as the leader, right? And all of a sudden, he's like, the villain at Madison Square Garden. He's shushing Philly fans. He's literally beaten them twice in Philly. Yeah, no, for him to be doing it this early is, be a, yeah, it's beyond surprising. Yeah, I don't think I've changed my mind about anybody faster. <laughs> Where I was like, wow, I just thought he was a chucker, like a fake Steph Curry. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. He's the maestro. And another apology, Nate McMillan. Yikes. Gotta talk about he it. He looks very... <laughs> <laughs> When you're down 26 points and you were down 18 the game before and you can instill confidence in a bunch of young men who have never been there before to come out of the depths of hell. You're in a well, like a swampy ass dark well. And he just tells you like, no, it's okay. Just like keep going. And they are coming back and winning those games on the road? 
I have to say, like, that's very impressive. It's impressive as that's, fuck. Yeah. That's like high level coaching mm-hmm. and psychological coaching, not even just X's and O's and the scheme to get Trey Young fucking 40 points. I mean, Kevin Herter had zero points. Yeah. Lou Williams put some respect on Lou Williams. Lemon, too. Pe- Lemon Pepper Lou. Yeah. No, he was awesome. Yeah. Like, and uh, Nate McMillan's decisions to ride with him because he hasn't been closing out games. No. And yeah. He was like, yeah, this dude's hot. Yeah. And everybody knows when Lou Williams gets hot and he's scoring buckets, he's yeah. like Jamal Crawford. Just You're let there. him continue yeah. to play. Uh-huh. He was 34 years old. And as soon as he got traded to Atlanta, the world, he was like ready to retire. <laughs> he said, like, I'm done. I'm not trying to leave the Clippers organization. And then that Rondo for Lou Williams swap. Rondo's getting DMPs. Lou Williams is winning games on the road in Philly. Yeah, I think Rondo played like eight minutes last night. <laughs> he became a joke. In Atlanta for breaking COVID protocol to get at a strip club to get wings. And everybody's like, oh, Lou Williams returns to Atlanta. This is so funny. And he's like, really contributing. Oh, yeah. Really contributing. Bogdanovich had six points in 21 minutes. And he had 13 points, Lou Williams, in the fourth quarter alone. 15, two, and three. Whew. Whew. So impressive from the Hawks, but Jesus Christ, as, as far as the Sixers go. Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> it's so bad. How do you? There was somebody on Twitter that we work with who I will not say his name. They were up 26. And he said, I think it's time for the Sixers to rest Joel Embiid the rest of the game. I can't tell you how happy that tweet made me. Because I was like, this is it. This is the Hawks chance. Like, he's going to be so sick. And he's such, you know, all these Sixers fans, they think they're so fucking good. They think that they should win everything. They think the organization is better than it is. Their team is better than it is. Everybody's mad at me because I called that organization and that team overrated when they're the number one seed in the East. They are. I mean, are they not? Are they not overrated? They're underperforming right now. What does that mean, though? It means teams have figured out how to scheme against them. Which means what? When you're the number one seed in the East and you underperform, what does it mean? You know I don't like dealing in absolutes this way. (laughs) (laughs) I've already said it's as bad a look for this team that they could ever have. Like everything went wrong that everyone's been saying about them for years. Uh, It was bad. It was terrible. It was a, yeah, it was a meteor crash. It It was a meteor crash. We are witnessing... What I thought I was going to see from the Celtics organization, like this is how bad it is. Like, just mark my words, June 17th in the offseason, in the offseason, we're going to see major changes. And I'm not talking about just Ben Simmons, because you're not getting you're not getting a boatload for Ben Simmons. What do you think you're getting right now? The whole world knows he's fucking trash from the free throw line and he's not going to shoot. He has a shooting sleeve, doesn't need it. Right. Yeah, we're going to need some Maury magic. I don't know. It's actually interesting. That would be a fun segment to just talk about Ben Simmons trade scenarios. I think he's a negative asset. Right the second. I mean, just take a mental picture of where this team is now. Sixer fans, it's not going to be like this in 12 months from now. Promise you that. And what I would say is also you've gone 20 years in a rebuild. 20 years rebuilding this organization. Trust the process, trust the process, trust the process. And you get to the Eastern Conference Finals. I mean, tough Kawhi shot. Tough. Hate it. Hate to see that. And then you've got to rebuild again like 24 months later for who knows how long. Um, Everybody else besides Embiid and Seth Curry, not one human 
on the Sixers scored one bucket in the second half besides those two. Yep. That's maybe one of the most impressive stats I've ever heard. Yeah, I think it, I saw something about it. Like it was the only, it was the first time in like 20 years that only two players had scored in a half in a playoff game, something like that. That's, that is astounding. Not scored, made a field goal, but yeah. Everyone else, trash. Tobias, trash. Shake, trash. Cork Moss, trash. And of course, Ben Simmons, trash. Nowhere to be found. Four for 12 from the line. Nate McMillan, to his credit, playing hack hack a Ben down 25. That's crazy. That's crazy. Yeah. I actually like it when you're down more than I do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It just disrupts the flow of the game. Absolutely. It just makes them so angry, too. Yeah. Doc had to had to bench Ben. I mean, it's a tremendous mental move. Like we're just gonna, I mean, just gonna foul you. You're up thirty, but we're gonna foul you every time. And he's gonna, and that's now in Ben's head. The world is making it so much worse. But I mean, I don't even know what you do. Doc had a funny quote. I thought about it. He was like, "Oh, when he's making them, we'll leave him in. But when he's not, but when he's not making them, we have to take him out." It's like, well, when he hasn't been making them, (laughs) he's missed more. He's missed more. And I don't, and I don't love bagging on Ben. Exactly the way you do, but his free throw shooting, he deserves it. Like he's missed more free throws than I think not all the remaining teams in the playoffs, but like three or all four. But, yeah, all but there was like, she has seven less missed free throws than all of them combined. Something <laughs> oh, like I didn't that. Know that. Oh. We cannot g- give love to Nate without holding Doc accountable. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I agree. Doc Rivers could be possibly the best worst coach we've ever seen (laughs) this one's gonna sting doc rivers i promise you this one's gonna come back to bite you these two games back to back gonna come back to bite you promise because this is legacy altering shit you know like what we said about cp3 where this season has solidified or or solidified for the fans of cp3 who he is and for folks who hated him changed the whole narrative around yeah I think for anyone who was on the fence about Doc Rivers and was placing all the blame, like myself, actually, this was me. I was placing all the blame on PG. All the blame. Three, up 3-1, three, side of the backboard, gave it up to Denver. Now I'm starting to think, hmm, Doc Rivers, I don't know. This is a guy who had KG, Paul Pierce, Rondo, Ray Allen, bunch of great role players, Jeff Green included. Couldn't only get just measly win. One one measly championship. Not to say it's not hard to win a championship, but that is a fucking stacked roster. Yeah. I mean, they were there. I think that they made the East Finals like... They were there. Yeah. They were in the... They were contending, but they did not win. Yeah, no, 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 no. I love taking credit away from that Sixers team. I mean, that Celtics team. I hated those guys. Yeah. And then the Clippers with Chris Paul, DeAndre Jordan, Blake Griffin. Not even a sniff. Not even a finals appearance. Not even a conference finals not appearance. Not even a conference finals appearance. Then one one game five in like forever until two nights ago, then choked away that three one lead with Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. I mean, it just must be discussed. Tough, tough look. There's a chance Doc fire Doc Rivers gets fired. There is a chance. It's not a high likelihood, but this is very bad for Doc Rivers. Yeah, no, very, certainly not good. Very, very bad. Uh, the, think about this, though. The the roster, the franchise, like I said, was under construction for two decades. And as soon as they come together where you're a fan and you like enjoy some semblance of expectations of success and it just like all slips away and you have to rebuild again. You've got a center with two bad knees now. He was grabbing the reconstructed one two nights ago. He just gets gassed every fourth quarter now. As much as I love Embiid, like he just he you you can tell 
Like his health is an issue. Yeah. Like we've said, he's now got back spasms again. What is the status of MB's health long term? The same as it's always been uncertain, very uncertain. Now you've got Ben Simmons. Things are more clear to everyone about who he is. So what do you have, really? You just have Matisse Thibel and some like Tyre. You have Tyrese Maxey and and what? Like I don't even know what they do because you're not getting any picks. So if you do a full rebuild, you're going to have to trade Embiid. I don't know. There's so much. I'm not saying that they will. <laughs> I would never say that they will. But like if you're going to go through a rebuild, that's the only way you get picks. No, that's the only way. Unless you're trade, I mean, you'd have to trade Tobias and Ben in a package, and you probably get two first rounders, three first rounders max, and you probably have to like get some bloated contract back, two bloated contracts back. I don't know. Now your back's against the wall. Best case scenario for you is a game seven, and that's more mileage on Embiid. And in terms of what could have been, we can't talk about the Sixers without not talking about Harden. Like, imagine not pulling the trigger because of Tyrese Maxey. Yeah. That's yeah, bad. Yeah. That's Who tough, played tough one. one minute in with one of the most critical games in the last two years of Philadelphia hoops. So everybody knows things are bad, but Trey Young is going to be, I would say, responsible as much as Dame is for rebuilding OKC. That is what Trey Young is doing <laughs> to the Philadelphia 76ers. So you tell me. Sixers are headed for a brutal offseason and the process. Distrust it. Trust the process. <laughs> Thanks, Joel. <laughs> when will we hear him say that again? I don't know. Guess what? The Sixers collapse wasn't even the most surprising of the day. No. That wasn't even it. The Clippers started off the day with the worst news possible, which is Kawhi went down with an ACL injury indefinite period of time that he was gone. And everybody, including myself, including you, was like, ugh, this is not good. I asked the question. You I did? <laughs> but what did you think in your heart? I, I was not expecting it. I actually went around saying, like, yeah, that I, yeah, I thought it was over. It was, Yeah, the franchise is cursed. You have the slumlord, Donald Sterling, Doc Rivers fucking up not one but two Clippers teams. Clippers never been able to shake the idea that they're like a little brother in L.A. They'll never be more than anything other than a joke. And then, like, like I said. In the entire history of the Clippers organization, the entire history, they've never won a game five. Never. <laughs> Not one until last night. Okay. Not one. Last night with their backs against the wall as much as it will ever be, with their franchise player out, with their starting center done for the playoffs, the Clippers did the impossible. They beat the Utah Jazz on the road without their star player. And the man responsible was playoff fucking Pete. <laughs> he was awesome. He, he he was incredible. And I mean, we say, we bag him in a lot for his inconsistencies, but like when he has games like this, I mean, holy shit. <laughs> he seemed to me like Indianapolis, Indy yeah. Pacers, Paul George. Yeah, the, like in, the, in those, uh, those heat series. 37, 16, and five. Probably one of the best performances in the playoffs so far, just given all the adversity and all the things that he needed to do in order to get that win and how much pressure. We knew there was like a shitload of pressure on Paul George. But to me, I think this uh, performance is pretty illuminating because it shifted my paradigm, much to the same way that I think what CP3 is now. Solo P is, I think, maybe the key. Like maybe the reason that, Paul George is not good is because mentally he can't wrap his mind around being a second option. 
Like maybe he's been a number one option for so long that he doesn't understand like how to share scoring responsibility with another player. Yeah, it could be. Yeah, he was in in the Pacers. Great, solid. I think he had like was averaging twenty nine there at the end. I don't remember exactly, but I mean, yeah. And then he goes to OKC, and of course, Russell Westbrook says you're the primary scorer, Paul George. He's having MVP level seasons, like candidate level seasons. He goes and has to share the the rock with Kawhi and just like doesn't know what to do. So maybe it's not an ensemble thing for him. I don't know. Like maybe he's just better off running the show. Yeah, it, uh, uh, Rosillo said something the other day, like about about Paul George. This was actually probably about a week ago at this point, where he was like, he, you kind of want to just be like, hey, you know, you're good, right? Like <laughs> just just go, like and it. Yeah, and and maybe now this being number one option, he just knows like, okay, yeah, I'm good. I have to go be good. Let's go. It's like, hey, um, this is all on you, Paul George. Yeah, and then he's like, oh, this is all on me, which means I'm a really good player. This organization relies on me to score, and he doesn't have to think about like, should Kawhi get the rock now? Should I get the rock now? Like, he's waiting for the end of games to like hit these corner threes. Like, I think it's probably the fact the way that Kawhi brought him there, like Kawhi definitely brought big dick energy into the Clippers organization, forced them to mortgage their future for Paul George. That's incredible pressure, by the way. Like all those picks and you come through, you don't you don't deliver. Yeah, certainly. Yep. And then they sign into this big, big extension. I promise you, I promise you, if you get uh, Paul George into a quiet room and you say, have you ever thought to yourself, like when you're laying down for bed, like, do I deserve this extension? I bet he would. He would say yes. Like, we all have those issues of, like, uh, imposter syndrome. Yeah. I bet you nobody in the NBA has imposter syndrome more than Paul George. And now, <laughs> as a number one option, this might be, like, shake him out of his pandemic-esque behavior. And now he can log on to Twitter. He can log on to Twitter safely. Yeah. <laughs> Enjoy your moment in the sun, PG. I hope it lasts longer <laughs> than one game. I don't know. Like, you never know how these things shake out. Everybody's like, oh, you're the best. And then it's like, ooh, back to pandemic P. Well, you know who also won last night besides the Clippers is the Phoenix Suns. Absolutely. Because now, I mean, shit. I mean, if the Clippers go on and win game six, then then the next opponent is the Kawhi-less Clippers. And even if they don't and it goes seven, that's just that's two more days for CP to get back from uh, protocol. So, Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And then in terms of for the Jazz, I mean, they are in trouble. They are in big trouble. Donovan Mitchell's ankle is in bad shape. Bad, bad shape. Like He said, this is something I'm going to have to deal with. It fucking sucks. I can't really move. I can't really move. Yeah, that's tough. That's like uh, Colt McCoy saying he couldn't feel his shoulder. Yeah. In the national championship. And you're like, uh, I don't think that that's good. Only imagine Colt McCoy having more games to play after that. <laughs> right, yeah. Like, that's where Donovan <laughs> Mitchell is at. Like, this in- injury must be more more serious than we thought. Yeah, you kind of need to move. This is not a grade one ankle injury. Like, you need to cut, you need to plant, you need to jump, and he can't do any of those things. Your, your star, let me just recap for folks. Your star pre- player just went on the record and said, I cannot move. That doesn't, if that does not give Jazz fans some heart attack, some level of, of panic, I don't know what does. I really don't. You're at home against Pandemic P only. You got no Kawhi to play against. You're at home. You shot 23s, made them, and you just got pounded by Reggie Jackson and Marcus Morris. Where is Mike Conley, Marty? Where is he? I mean, clearly hurt. Clearly hurt bad. It's 
Too bad. It's unfortunate. Injuries, man. Injuries. This is a team that has zero rhythm on the offense without Spider and Conley, and we don't even know if they'll ever be healthy the rest of this year. Conley's missed five straight playoff games. Sheesh. I think that's a game seven. I think we get Clippers game. I think, I know I'm like a prisoner of the moment. I think it's Clippers in seven now. Just because of Donovan. Just because of Donovan. And also, as an aside, listen, folks, I did call the Utah Jazz overrated. I know that's like a... You don't like that term, <laughs> but they are the number one seed as well, and they won't get out of the West. They're not getting out of the West for sure. Yeah, it, it, they're not getting out of the West for sure. Unless unless Conley comes back and Spida all of a sudden just is magically better. But oh, you mean like if I can fly? Yeah. Oh, okay, got it. <laughs> so that's now gone from a probability to a certainty, folks on TikTok. Just wait. Just before you bang on me, just wait until the end of the season. In order to do it, because it appears that a lot of my predictions have come true. Man, it seems insane that just a day before the big day when everything popped off, the only thing anyone was talking about was Kevin Durant. Yeah. Ke- Kevin Durant, greatest player on earth in the playoffs. Tremendous performance. We haven't even been able to get to it because of the emergency pod episode. And then his moment in the sun when he was going to come out and lay and get his tan on, enjoy all of his accolades on first take. It was like... New story after new story after new story. Kevin Durant yeah. performance got like buried in the sea block. He got the he got the morning run. He got like the early bird run. And then once 10 a.m. hit, it was like, oh shit, yeah. breaking news. <laughs> He's the only man ever to score 45, 15, and 10 in a playoff game. And in 48 hours, everyone's forgotten about it like it was just nothing. Yeah. We're on to Paul George. We're on to Paul George <laughs> now. That's shitty. That is shitty. You have a historic performance. You probably are the sole reason that your team is in it. You might be able to take go on to the finals because of that performance, and everybody's like, "What was that stat line again?" Again, it would have been so great if that had happened to LeBron. That would have been just the funniest thing of Tremendous. all time. Like, I don't think KD really cares that much, but there's it was something that I would never forget in person because I watched it. And there are two things about Brooklyn's win that struck me. One, there is this narrative out there that Kevin Durant is a number two option. Let's just pause. There is a narrative out there that Kevin Durant is only a number two option. I've never really seen that. I mean, I've seen the argument that like, oh, he's only he's always had an MVP teammate and and like all that. But I mean, number two, that's just that's silliness. He's the best player in the world. He's the best player in the world. But what that led me to believe is like, okay, I watched Kevin Durant very clearly be. What was it again? Forty, forty nine, seventeen and ten. Okay, he's very clearly the number one option, (laughs) like very clearly. But what's impressive to me is that Kevin Durant, it has, and I know he's got like a very tiny, fragile ego online, but I think in terms of basketball, he's very solid in his ability. So solid, he's like, James can lead it. Kyrie can lead it. I'll I'll be the second option. I'll be the third option. Fuck it. Sometimes if Blake's going off, maybe I'll be the fourth option. He doesn't give a fuck. He's like, I'm the greatest player on earth. I'm fine to surround myself with guys that are equally as good as me and allow them to shine where the world thinks that they're better than me. He's just so fucking good. Some of those threes, it was just like, the, I was rooting and I was rooting for the box. And it's why? Just, huh? Why? Gambling. That's why. <laughs> why? His entire mindset, I think, is that his role is ever changing, always fluid, do whatever it takes in order to win. That's dope. I love that about him. I like that about James Harden, too. What we're seeing with him as a net is very different than who he was 
in OKC, very different than who he was in Houston. They asked him how his role would change without his two co-stars, and he said he didn't see his role changing with Harden and Irving out. Even on nights when his co-stars are healthy, he expects to carry a heavy load. He said, I personally do everything I can, just like I do every night. Some more than others. Some I handle the ball more. Sometimes I post up more. Sometimes I have to come off pin downs more. I just have to be prepared to do everything that I can, just like any other night. I mean, yeah. It was incredible. That yeah. one that one play where they held him from not getting the ball for 21 seconds. Yeah. And then Harden just dished it back. <laughs> yeah. Dished it back. And he just, one, one dribble pump. It was so off balanced. And it went in as the buzzer, because you can't really see it from TV, but it, you could see as the buzzer was going off on the backboard. Mm-hmm. It was like, holy shit, this guy's fucking unreal. Was that the shot he did the light woo face? I couldn't see his face because uh, yeah, I was no, like no, no, too no, far. No. There was a still going around Twitter where he's just like, you, you, I think you could that like was see him one. saying like, ooh. Yeah, like, oh, I'm that guy. Like, that just has to, yeah. He was feeling it. The other thing that I noticed was Giannis. Tough. This is a legacy altering thing too, I think. Mm-hmm. I think we are now seeing, just like we know 100% Kevin Durant is the number one option anywhere, anytime, anyplace. I think there's only a few times that Giannis is the number one option anytime, any place, anywhere. <laughs> well, I mean, the play that I think like officially lost in the game, like after this, like I was just like, okay, the this, is, this is done. huh? The bobble. The bob. Well, uh, no, actually, uh, it was. Uh, I forget exactly how much time uh, this had to have been like a minute twenty or something like that. He gets the ball uh, like on the on the baseline. And he's backing down Harden. He's got one on one. Harden like waves off someone and like he's got a bad hamstring and he turns around, shoots a fadeaway. I saw that. Yep. I was on that side. I was like, what is that That, fucking shot? It was ridiculous. It was absolutely ridiculous. You had a one on one against a guy with a bad hamstring. You're not a good fadeaway shooter. Never has been. Like, never has been. That that play lost in the game to me. And, you know, he's so bad at free throws that when I forget who passed in the ball. He was so scared to catch it because he knew he was going to get fouled right away that he bobbled it. Kevin Durant takes the ball game fucking over, over, over. That's wild to me. He's like a golfer who has the yips. He's so strugs. I counted. I took a camera phone to the free throws because sometimes the TV doesn't tell you when they get the ball. Like they don't show you exactly. Mm -hmm. And I put a camera up, push record as soon as he touched the ball. It was like 12 seconds every time. He dribbles the ball for like 11 seconds. Yeah. I saw a tweet today that was, uh, who would you rather have your life on the line? Giannis. Between uh, Le- Le- uh, Ben Simmons and Giannis. And someone said Giannis because then I would have time to t- to say goodbye to my wife and kids. <laughs> that's fa- that's facts. I mean, you want to talk about his non-free throws? This is a guy who the world consistently is like, let him shoot, let him shoot. And he's like, yeah, I'm going to shoot. And he's like. 13%, he's 24% overall from threes, but I think he's like 15% in these playoffs from three. That's crazy. That's poor. You should not be shooting threes. It stalls the offense. It kills them. You can't be a contender with Giannis as your number one option. I'm sorry. Like he's amazing in the, in the regular season. Amazing. But he's a liability just like Ben in some ways. As the number one option. He's like, can't be out there. Apparently, he shot 11.8% on self-created shots from three. 
teams are daring him to shoot him, and he usually does. And the problem, of course, is he's one of the worst high-volume three-point shooters in the league. (laughs) During the regular season, 81% of his self-created threes were uncontested. That's a funny stat. That's a real funny stat. 81%. I think a a side narrative of this is that Giannis is a front runner. He is phenomenal when his team is rolling. Yeah. Phenomenal. His body language is aggressive. He's backing people down. He's getting to the rim. He's dunking. He's aggressive in the lay. Probably taking less time to shoot his free throws. And as soon as his team goes down, it's like he's a whole other person. Yeah, when the game gets tight and like game gets yeah, tight, yeah. he gets very tight. Yeah, like do we have any memories of like Giannis clutch moments? Like I'm I I, I just started thinking I don't really have one. I don't think Giannis is clutch. I don't think he has proven himself yet to be clutch. And I think there is a lot to be said for, I don't want to say like getting on an armchair psychiatrist and say like, he's not built like that. But I mean, when you have two guys that can't make free throws and they're literally, you're just standing there and it's just you by yourself with the shooting motion. Like that's a mental thing. It's a mental thing. (laughs) Sorry. Oh my God. Zion, 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 Zion. I tell you what, this news dropped like right now. Like this yeah, news like, dropped as this pod was getting created. <laughs> like an hour ago. Like yeah. an hour ago. That was hard. That was hard to create. So we are right a lot on this podcast. I'm wrong, of course, but it's a lot more fun to talk about when I'm right. And we were right like months ago about this. Months ago yeah. we talked about this. Star players, of course, getting injured at a record pace and – that took me for fucking ever to like calculate how, what stars how, have missed what games. It was like uh-huh, a very yeah. complicated Excel spreadsheet. But I was also right about New Orleans all year long. Not just about Van Gundy, not just about the Pelicans players hating to play defense, which also just came up, but about JJ Redick being with a cancer. Is it a cancer? I don't know. He. I don't know what it would be called because cancer is like a, has a negative implication. I would call it a ball of chaos. Sure. He, he, he wanted, he wanted to be traded to Brooklyn. Asked to, asked to be traded somewhere near his family. That's a pretty good reason in the middle of a pandemic. And they lied to him and they shipped him as far as you could possibly go from Brooklyn to Dallas after telling him we got you. Which is the most incompetent thing that you could do as a GM is make promises to JJ Reddick. Like what the fuck? (laughs) First of all, why make the promise? Yeah. David Griffin's a clown. Second of all, you didn't have to, there's no benefit to you making that promise. And there's even less benefit to you trading him to Dallas. Cause the guy that you got in return, you never even used. So, okay. And then thirdly, this guy, JJ Reddick has a huge podcast, happens to be a mentor to Zion Williamson. And now, and they also share an agent and oh my God, that's exactly what we said. Hit the salt. This is what I said. I don't even remember when this came out. Interestingly enough, did a little research. JJ Reddick's agent is the same agent that represents Zion Williamson. (laughs) I'm not saying that there's tea coming along the bend, down the bend, but yes, I am. I don't think it was a coincidence that he made it so stark that I don't think my agents will ever trust this office again. Man. Man is right. That just goes to show you maybe don't fuck over a 15-year-old veteran with a megaphone of a podcast. He's been interviewing everyone. Oh, yeah. He interviewed Zion the other day, this person, that person. You don't think 
there's always an in-between period where you're not quite recording, but you're not quite not talking about the thing. Let me think. I'm thinking maybe during those times he's going to sewer New Orleans if he has the opportunity. Like, fuck New Orleans. By the way, fuck New Orleans. They ask him. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, now multiple articles are now being dropped about how J.J. Reddick is blowing up the front office and telling everyone that he hates them and also telling Zion, like, hey, you should leave. No. Hey, you should go. That was from episode 25, actually, and we're on 49 currently. It was so. a while in April. Yeah. So Van Gundy's gone. Complete evisceration of the Stan Gundy era. Athletic broke this news that Zion Williamson is currently very unhappy in New Orleans. That is stunning. Multiple sources have told the Athletic that certain family members want Williamson on another team. Yep. What? Numerous sources point to how Williamson's family members thinly veiled unhappiness with the Pelicans and how those feelings have seeped into Zion's own views. Shocking that someone's opinion seeps into a 22-year-old's vantage point and then that becomes their own opinion. I mean, I think Zion is probably very easily manipulated by people very close to him. He's a very sweet kid. Looks up to J.J. Reddick and J.J. Reddick is like, yo, they did me dirty, son. Yeah, no, 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 no. They were pals for sure. Uh, Yeah, it's funny to me how they always say uh, when things like this get leaked that players aren't happy. It's always like, oh, their dad or like, oh, this is they're not happy with it. And like like Zion didn't say this. His dad said it or his family member said it like, "Mm, I mean. Yeah, Anthony Davis, Anthony (laughs) Davis's dad did the uh same thing. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I wonder where this doubt in Zion's. Mine might have come from. Hmm. Athletic reported that Reddick was a veteran whom Williamson had grown comfortable with in their two seasons together. And the dysfunction Reddick accused the Pelicans of harboring is said to have stoked some of Williamson's own feelings with regards to the direction of the franchise. Let's remember exactly what Reddick said at the time. I don't think you're going to get honesty from that New Orleans front office. I just don't think you're ever going to get that. I don't think with what happened with me is necessarily an isolated incident. It's not something where I would expect certainly the agents who worked on this with me to ever trust that front office. Again, those agents, I will remind a second time, represent J.J. Reddick and Zion Williamson. Uh, What effect might this news have? Uh, Guess what dropped seconds before we started the recording? A brand new feature article on The Athletic. The title? The clock is ticking on David Griffin. Mm -hmm. I don't see how anyone could see how (laughs) this was coming. So let me give you an example of this. This is totally not related to basketball, so stay with me. There is a coffee shop in my apartment complex. And I go down there. Every day before work because it's very convenient. Mm -hmm. Not any more expensive than any other place. So I go down there and I would order it online and the coffee would come down to the shop, right? And this was like pandemic times, right? Not very many people in the shop. Not that much traffic. Okay. So I order a iced latte or whatever to come down to the shop. I show the guy who I already don't like and he doesn't like me. We have no vibes. Bad (laughs) vibes only between us. And he's like, "Um, can I help you? And I'm like, yeah, I ordered a nice latte to go, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, mm, I don't see that here. And I'm like, well, I see this here. This is the receipt. And he's like, oh, yeah, you uh, order that ice latte to the Hudson Yards location uh, next. That's like four blocks down. So you're going to need to go and pick it up there. And I go, uh, but I live in this building. Yeah, but see, that's I don't I can't really help you. 
And I'm like, you can't help me or you won't make it again. And he's like, if that's all, then um, I'm going to have to ask for the next customer. I'm like, there is no next customer in here, you fucking piece of shit. And so you know what I did? I told every single resident in there that this guy, this guy in here is a piece of shit, this barista, and don't fuck with Bluestone Lane. Wow. And you know what? I had a six-month-long hiatus, a boycott. I told that I saw the girl out on the street and I was like, hey, she's like, I haven't seen you in a while. I'm like, yeah, I'm boycotting because that guy is a piece of shit. And they fired him. That is David Griffin. That barista is David Griffin. David Griffin has got to go. Or that, oh, 100%. Or that Bluestone Lane, a.k.a. the New Orleans Pelicans organization, is also completely soiled. Nobody will, nobody will go there. J.J. Reddick is telling every NBA player that David Griffin is a piece of shit. I mean, this coming out and the, yeah, and the J.J. like, oh, agents won't work for me. This agency is the only one that they need to care about. And if they won't work with David Griffin or whoever else is, you know, involved in the front office. Yeah, no, you got to you got to make the change. And best case scenario, completely change. Best case scenario is that J.J. Reddick's agent who represents Zion's agent wants to stay. Zion is so happy with the, uh, the, the city of New Orleans that he wants to be a Pelican for life. Best case scenario. Who are they going to surround them with? Which free agents that are represented by CAA are going to come there? And are they going to squeeze the New Orleans Pelicans and fuck with the cap? And by the way, the New Orleans Pelicans don't pay the fucking luxury tax. Yeah, no, there's a lot. I mean, we could do a whole segment on the state of the Pelicans right now. Like, and, you know, who they can get. They're about to have to pay Lonzo, it looks like. And yeah, no, it's uh, it's not looking awesome. And when Zion's like, I love Zoe. He's one of the smartest guys I've ever met. And how he sees the floor. And also Brandon Ingram's like, Zion is a general generational type talent and he does so much for us i mean either you keep zoe and you have to pay him a shitload of money and figure it out or I, now you risk like pissing off zion yeah no i mean i think you keep i think you keep zoe and trade ingram <sighs> yeah i think you get something from him yeah that'd he, be a fun segment in yeah, the offseason it would no one apparently is more dangerous than a scorned brooklyn hipster <laughs> sharpshooter <laughs> slash podcaster <laughs> Who knew, Marty, there were so many Marvin Bagley stands? We talked about Marvin Bagley being a bust. Yeah, I actually did see this. Yeah. <laughs> and I didn't know. I had no idea. I had zero idea that just such an average basketball player who got drafted second in one of the most stacked drafts in the last 20 years would have like so many lacrosse bros jump to his defense it was so weird and they would completely missed the entire point so i mean w w what i said which i think people were kind of attacking my comment where i said he's the darko or sam Bowie of this draft and people were like oh no he's young he's been dealing with injuries it's like so did both of those guys and it's not that he's just that bad it's because of who he was taken over like it's literally a subjective it, thing and comparative to the other players available they just they thought that they were like owning me or whatever. And you were literally describing the exact career arc that Sam Bowie and Darko had. Like, yes. And also they were like, at the time, that wasn't a bad pick. And it's like, well, we're not talking about at the time. Also, are we? it was. <laughs> it was a bad pick at the time. Going second over Luca. Like, yes, it was. <laughs> the fact that the world. We all knew that Luca was the MVP of the Euro League and a champion. We all knew that. Sacramento Kings had a whole scouting department, multiple guys from Eastern Europe working on that front office that decided we're taking a guy from Duke over the MVP of the Euro League. 
Like, that's fucking insane. This kid is a boy wonder of the EuroLeague. Everyone knew Luca's upside. I love Luca in the draft. Like, like, like people act like Luca as a like top pick was like a fringe opinion. It wasn't. There were so many people saying that the Suns were idiots for not taking him. And like, honestly, until recently, it's kind of looked that way. So, it, it, yeah, no, for, for there to be Bagley defense is, is remarkable, to be honest. It's unreal. Luca's already a, an all pro. Trey Young is incredible. Marvin Bagley has 14 and 7 when he's not hurt. Like, are you happy with 14 and 7 with the number two overall pick? Like, get the fuck out of here. And I like Bagley. I, I, I want him to be, I want him to be good. I want him to turn his career around. But like right now, if you, I mean, right now he's the Darko. You know who was also a bucket when he wasn't hurt? Sam Bowie. Yeah. Yeah. And no, he, yeah. You know why he's considered a bust? Because Michael fucking Michael Jordan. Jordan. That's it. That's why. Yeah. That's why. And Darko, why he's considered such a bust is Dwayne Wade, Carmelo Anthony, and Chris Bosh. That 2018 draft was so stacked, you cannot say Marvin Bagley was a good pick at two. It's why no one really talks about Anthony Bennett anymore because there was no one else good in that draft. It's part of it. It's a very thin draft. It was like you're throwing darts at a wall. Like it's not a good draft. You're just like, ah, I guess we'll just take a flyer on him. Yeah. That was just so dumb. They took that as me saying Marvin Bagley stinks and is bad. (laughs) Yeah. That wasn't. The point of, of the I mean, combat. think about this. You even outside of Luca and Trey, they have Jaron Jackson could have been drafted. Colin Sexton, Shea, Michael Porter Jr. Do, how about this? Mikael Do, Bridges. Mikael Bridges, Devontae Graham, Mitchell Robinson, Gary Trent Jr., Jalen Brenson, Jake Milton, all more contributing type players that were drafted in the second round. It gets a little shaky there. I think if you redraft, Bagley probably goes eight or nine. Maybe 12. 12? <laughs> Maybe 12. I'm not going to go 12. quite there, but yeah. There are 18 players in 2018 that have higher career win shares than the number two player in the draft. 18 of them. Yeah. 18. Marvin Bagley stands. Get the fuck out of here. And why do you have no content on your page? And why is there a correlation between Marvin Bagley and lacrosse? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, no, it's just, well, and, and I mentioned, I said this 20, the 2018 draft is, you know, this decade's like, 2003, uh, 84, 96. And in all of those drafts, I mean, Sam Bowie, 84. Darko, 03. You have a guy there. They, all three of these guys that we're talking about happen to be the second pick. So, yeah, and they just stick out. Yeah, no, it's it's just how it works. Like, it's nothing to take personally. No. Historically bad pick, Marvin Bagley. Sorry, fans. That's all the time that we have for this league podcast. Tons happening. Uh, please subscribe. Please rate. Please review on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify. People on TikTok, we do have a podcast. You probably don't hear it because you're on TikTok. It makes a huge difference for us. We also have this league playoff merch on sale. There's also a great T-shirt that just came out that says Trista Crick doesn't know anything about basketball. <laughs> Pick that up as a sarcastic, ironic <laughs> T-shirt when everything, every prediction I make goes right. Do not forget to follow us at, at this league at Trista Crick on TikTok, IG, YouTube, Twitter, and Facebook. Thanks for listening. What a stacked show we had. I am like exhausted. <laughs> uh, tune in Monday evening, afternoon, whenever it comes out. Marty will be handling the edit for the next episode of This League. The bigger they come, the harder they fall. It's time to risk it all.
Get off. 